0: Again, we thank you for all that you have done. We thank you for the love that you consistently show us. Father, uh, you teach us, you command us, you rebuke us, you encourage us with your word week after week. Uh, And Lord God, we just don't want to be a uh, repository of of knowledge. We we don't want to be just... A library waiting for someone to take it out, Lord God, but we want all the knowledge that we have to change us. Uh, For we don't want to be the same uh, when we leave this place as when we came through these doors. So, Father, have your way with us today. Again, Lord God, we receive your spirit, that your spirit would do his perfect work in our hearts. Again, Father, sometimes uh, we move unwillingly but help us to see things the way that you see them so that we may love others, that we may love you, that we may love your kingdom as you do. Father, may my words be acceptable in your sight. May your word Go deep inside all of our souls. Strengthen us today. Establish us today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, how should we think about money? You're like, Pastor, you're on a roll here. Last week you were talking about sex. Now this week you're talking about money. What's going on up there? Uh, But much like sex, uh, the mention of money in the church can create a sense of hostility in our minds because we think that ultimately the church may be better off without talking about sex and without talking about money. But why is that concerning money? Because sometimes there is this negative connotation uh, that is related to money in our minds. We see how people use money to control others. We see how the government uses money to control the people as well. And by the way, if you have enough money to control the government, you also control the people. Did you know that? If you have enough money to influence the government, you therefore influence the people who are the subjects of that government. Money is also a cause for marriages to break up. (laughs) It is a cause for marriages to break up. And money is also the reason why some people get together. Did you know that? Uh, Some people are only attracted to folks who they think have money. And if they find out they don't have any money, then guess what? Uh, They are heading for the exit sign. Now, when we think of money, we oftentimes think of it in terms of uh, how much we have or how much can we get. And this is problematic, especially if you are a follower, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. It's problematic because of what's being said about that money, uh, you're saying that uh, I can't do anything in life unless this thing which controls me is firmly in my pocket. In the old days, during the times of Jesus, uh, and earlier, as a matter of fact, But specifically in those old days, in that first century and pre AD, uh, that money often had pictures of living rulers on it, like the Caesars. Or if they were an emperor, like the emperor. And if they didn't have a picture imprinted of the Caesar or the emperor on the coin, they would have pictures of their gods on the coin, small g god. But also remember that Caesar himself was considered a god by the people. So you had your small g regular gods, and then you had your small g uh, national god, like a president as an example. So in other words, these coins that they had graven images on them. Right, And this is what, one of the reasons why believers had problems with money. Some believers had problems with money because they had pictures of their gods whom uh, many of the people worship. Why? Because the Lord says this in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 and 5. Exodus 20, verses 4 and 5. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image... Or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, Exodus 20 verses 4 and 5. You see, one of the problems that uh, Caesar and many of the people had uh, that were from Rome with Christians was that uh, they would not say that Caesar was Lord. And then when you turn around and you say that Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, then they had a problem with you. So now imagine folks walking around with these coins with all these small G gods on it and you are rejecting the very thought of it that they didn't like you. So therefore, they didn't like you, you didn't like them, and you especially didn't like the money and what it represented. That ancient money was also used to pay a toll, a tax, or tribute to some political leader who oftentimes masqueraded as some kind of God. And money was not generally used to go to a restaurant. There was no McDonald's around there where you could use your debit card. There was no Burger King and whatever you like to eat uh, uh, that you could not uh, go and find one of those and say, here's my money, give me a burger. And most of the time it was not used to buy new clothes. And of course, you could not uh, get your money to have uh, streaming services for the latest movies or the news or sports. So in the eyes of the believers, in the eyes of the Jews during that time, uh, that these coins, this money, was used basically to placate the government, that very government which was after them for their worship. So why was money used like this? And why uh, did they do that? Because this was a system that they had placed together. But the problem also for the Jews and many other people, in fact, was that money really didn't have any value for them personally because most of the things that they needed, it happened on a bartering basis. You know what I mean? For instance, if uh, you need new clothes, you need a new pair of pants or a jacket, Or dress for the ladies. Uh, You would tell the seamstress, this is what I need. They would measure you up and they would make you a garment. So how would you pay for it? Well, easily. Uh, You would then build them a table or you would build them some chairs for those new set of clothes because you were a carpenter. So with all this being said, uh, what real use did you have for money? What did it represent? Uh, Every time the government came knocking on your door, they only wanted your coins. So after all that, it makes sense that the Jews, the believers, uh, had the attitude that they had. So without question, the attitude about money was very negative, uh, and only negative sentiments were associated with it. But how do you think about money? Sure, we are a long removed from that ancient time. But how do you think about money today? Do you love it? Do you hate money? How would your thinking change right now if you knew that when you walk out of this door someone would hand you half a million dollars? How would things change for you? As you were walking out the door, someone said, I'm going to take away all the money that you do have. How would that change your attitude and your behavior concerning life? So how should we as Christians, how should we as believers think about money? Should we love it? Should we hate it? What? First Timothy Chapter 6, verse 10. Do you love money? Do you love money? A familiar passage. First Timothy 6.10. Paul says here, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So uh, is money inherently evil, right? So, so that's the question at hand. Uh, they talk about, you know, uh, I, I don't like money, yeah. Uh, you don't like money until you need it, and then when you, when you get it, you're really happy. But is money inherently evil? We go back to the passage, and what does the passage say? It does not say that the love of money is, or it doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. Does it say that? Does it say that money is the root of all evil? No, it doesn't. Uh, does it say that uh, the love of money is the root of all evil? Guess what? It doesn't say that either. Uh, listen to what I said. I said, uh, does it say the love of money is the root of all evil? And your reply should be, no, it isn't. The scripture says that the love of money is what is evil a root of all kinds of evil. What does that tell us? That tells us that there is, number one, uh, lots of evils out here in the world, amen? Right? There is jealousy, there is anger, There is plenty, there's cheating, there's stealing, uh, there's lots of evils in the world. There's murder, you name it. There's plenty of evils in the world and all these evils, uh, the love of money is one of those evils. Do you love money? And if you are a follower of Christ, I hope your answer would be, No, I don't love money. Because scripture tells us right off the bat, for the love of money, if you have the love of money all trapped in your heart, uh, that it is a root of all kinds of evils. So money is not the problem, brothers and sisters. What did I say? I said money is not what? Money is not the problem. Money does not cause people to steal. Money does not cause people to cheat. Money does not cause people to murder. Well, what does? Uh, What causes all of these things is the attitude of the heart. Again, uh, every time we walk through uh, some of these messages, it always goes back to what's in the heart. When we talked about, uh, uh, according to James, right? uh, When James speaks of the fact that, uh, number one, we should not be jealous of one one another. uh, When it speaks of how we should be hearers of other folks, right? When James speaks of all these things and how we should speak with our tongue, right? That little small fire that's in our tongue, uh, what comes out of our mouth is reflective in our heart. This is what James talks about, right? Uh, It all goes back, it stems from what is in your heart, right? So it is that love of money yes money can be a problem money can be a big problem or the the lack of money can be a problem or for some people too much money can be a problem but it's not true that someone is better than you if they have more, amen? It's also not true if someone has less than you that you are better than them or you are any less than the next person. Uh, Those scenarios are simply not true. All of these thoughts, again, lead us up to that very fact, how do we think about and how do we handle money? I believe that some people don't have more, and I know many people would like to have more money. Amen? If, you, if they were to ask you, would you like more money, how many people in here would say no? Any, any, any takers in here would actually say no? Uh, if someone asked you, would you like more money, how many people would say No. I believe all of us would say yes. But the problem is that uh, when we have that love of money, money according to 1 Timothy 6.10, that there's also a result uh, when that love of money is so uh, firing intensely in our hearts. 1 Timothy 6.10 says this is a result of some people loving money. It says that some people wander from the faith. Some people wander from the faith. Money had such a strong pull on them, uh, they eventually stepped away from what they believe uh, to allow money to keep its tight grip on their life. Money became more important than going to church. Money was more important than living for Christ. Uh, If money can become more important than going to church, if money can become more important than living uh, for Christ, then money can be more important than your child. Money can be more important than your parent. Uh, Money can uh, be uh, such a a toxic, addictive uh, behavior in our life uh, that we don't want to care about anything else other than getting more money. Can I hold the dollar? Someone said this, and I quote, money, it turns out, is exactly like sex you thought of nothing else if you didn't have it and thought of other things if you did end quote of course of course those are not thoughts of redemption in Christ for a believer as a matter of fact again I've mentioned sex several times if you want to hear my message about sex listen to part three of this series But this is also a sad commentary on some, uh, the idea of how they think about money, some Christians, people who call themselves Christians, who uh, fuse together the gospel with an obsession to money, which we call it a prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is a gospel where they say one of the purposes of Jesus Christ coming to this earth is to make you wealthy and to make you physically healthy. They say that Jesus came to make you wealthy and to make you healthy, wealthy and healthy. But with His gospel, the only one getting wealthy is the one who's teaching and preaching false news. Now, I do believe that we should use our money in order to further God's kingdom ministry on earth. But I don't don't believe that uh, finances are one of the primary reasons why Christ came to die on this earth. That's simply not the case. He came to die for our sins. He sacrificed himself, plain and simple. But I know it's difficult sometimes, uh, because sometimes uh, some of these individuals, their arguments seem so tight. But I tell you today, don't fall for the nonsense. So uh, uh, as a believer, though, if this is true that Jesus came so that we may be wealthy and healthy and you are not supposed to go through anything, uh, do you not realize that Jesus also calls us to suffer sometimes? Do you know that sometimes as a believer, you may need to suffer? So if that's true, why are they saying what they're saying? Because it's false news. Philippians 1.29. So some may hear you say this and they may defend themselves to the core, but you will turn to the word of God and say, look here, this is what this says. Philippians 1.29. Paul says, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him. See, you see that? Not only believe in him, but also what? What? suffer for his sake. Now we are talking about the type of suffering, uh, indeed that people are being persecuted, but the idea is suffering is suffering. So if believers are not to love money, then what should their attitudes be about it? Especially in regards to giving to the church. Turn with me to Mark chapter 12. Mark 12, beginning in verse 41. Mark 12, verse 41. And the passage reads, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contribute to you out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. As a believer, we should be sacrificial givers. As believers, we should be sacrificial givers. Now I know, right? Right off the back, you see this. This woman gave everything that she, she had. Uh, this again causes discomfort. Because who in their right minds would get everything they have and then have nothing to live on? This is uncomfortable. Because we can't imagine in our minds someone who has nothing to give and they give everything they have for a cause other than feeding themselves. So she wasn't uh, concerned about her next meal. She wasn't concerned about the roof over her head. What she was concerned about, she was concerned about God's kingdom agenda. This is uncomfortable because we think the ones we plan to give to should be okay with us withholding what we plan to give to them. Also known as a church. But I want you to know, again, that this is not a plea from me to you to extract more money out of you. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. And this is why uh, when I preach a message, uh, we don't do a second offering after a message like that. Amen? I've been to churches like that, and I didn't like it. If anything, this is a plea to live faithfully towards the Lord as with everything else that we do. Uh, I I plead with you week after week about how we live for Christ. I plead with you in our marriages. I I plead with you concerning how we speak to one another. I I, I plead with you how we should love one another. I, I plead with you how we should study God's word. So I plead with you about being a sacrificial giver. But money, something that we should speak about in the church because it has its grip on us brothers and sisters money is a stronghold right you you, you think about you know how much do you really love the Lord how much are you really a sacrificial giver Uh, that's an easy one all we have to do is look at our giving statements from the previous year So what did the widow, what did this widow understand that we don't understand? She understood that her existence was not dependent upon the coin that she possessed. She understood that the money that she had in the bank or the money that she had in her pocket, that her existence was not dependent upon that. Because what are you going to do if one day you find yourself getting ill? and Then you take every single dime that you have to get well but you never get well and then you still now you have no money what are you going to do then you see our existence is dependent upon God and not stuff and not money can the church say amen So for believers, money is only a tool for sure, it's a tool, nothing else, nothing more than a tool. If money is a tool, then its uses should mirror how the widow understood its use. Right, Money is a tool, right? So we don't have a, a, a bartering economy like they did back in that day. It still exists to a certain degree in certain communities. It still is very true. But for the most part, we don't have it. So in other words, we have to pay for it. If we want new clothes, we have to do what? Go to the store and buy new clothes. And we, of course, we don't assign God's status to our money, so we don't have that stigma attached to it. Therefore, it should not repulse us when we talk about it or use it. Money is neutral. How we determine its use determines its character. Its character, or the character of money, is therefore determined by what? It is determined by our character. Amen? Our money is determined by our character. Sure, I have no way of knowing the character of your offering. I don't know. I don't know where your heart is when you give to the church. I don't know. I don't know if you're saying to yourself, oh, here we go again. I know uh, in certain places, and these are things that I know uh, for some people, that they only show up to church after the offering is taken. I also know of some churches that they never take an offering. They have offerings outside, uh, outside the sanctuary. They never stop. You know, to each his own. Uh, God certainly will bless in the way that he calls But God, he sees the character of that offering as clearly as we see the sun at noonday on a sunny day. So sacrificial giving is the way of a follower of Christ. So, but one of the things we must look at and we must understand are our needs versus our wants. Right, a lot of times we say, I want this, amen? Or I want that right? But the question is, do we really need it or not? For instance, you may want a $500 pair of shoes. Amen. Yeah, they may look sharp. Yeah, you may not be able to get them anywhere else. But the question is, do you need those $500 pair of shoes? Probably not. You could easily find a, a pair of shoes for a fifth of the cost. In other words, what could you do with the other $400? $400. So in this case, you would sacrifice uh, those five hundred dollar pair of shoes for a pair that only costs you hundred dollars or fifty dollars. You know this is a true story, and my wife will tell you for many many years. You know, and this uh, and I just had a revelation probably uh, maybe about three or four years three or four years ago that I never ever paid more than about fifty dollars for a pair of shoes. If it costs more than fifty dollars. I stopped, I would not even think about it. And then my feet start hurting. Amen. Amen. My feet start hurting. And no matter which pair of $29 pair of shoes I buy, my feet were hurting. I'd be standing up for hours, you know, performing. And my feet and my dogs, I said, Man, something is wrong. I got to find me a better pair of shoes. So in this case, I needed a, a, a pair of shoes that I could feel comfortable in and look halfway decent. It still don't cost $500. Can you say amen? amen? Not even close. Not even close. Yesterday I was reading a newspaper, right? And in the, uh, the food section, this, uh, this, uh, uh, th- th- this newspaper, uh, they talked about uh, there's this really, really great place uh, in the area where you can get a meal for $185. Isn't that great? 185, oh, that's, that's per person. I thought that was expensive. I thought that was a little extravagant. Can you say until? Until I uh, read that there is a place in another state, another city, that they would be willing to feed you your meal. Here it is, current date, this is real, this is not fake, right? for dinner guess what it does not include tax it does not include beverage it does not include a tip so if you and someone else go to that restaurant to eat uh, that you would come out uh, spending more than $1,000 for dinner Does that sound reasonable or or like good stewardship? I don't know. Maybe that food was really, really good. Maybe it was good. But I'm like, man, give me some chicken and some lemonade. Ain't that right? Chicken and lemonade, I'd be all right. You know? So do we need that or do we want it? Uh, Could we have settled on a dinner for $60 for the whole family? For some people, it may just give them bragging. Oh, I went there. Yeah, we paid. It was such a a wonderful meal. Yeah, amen. But what could uh, they have done with uh, $900? The person that they probably, especially in this city, the person that they probably saw uh, about to walk into that restaurant in the gutters that had nothing now, this is not to bring judgment on anyone, but it is to ask the question: What is reasonable and what is not in God's economy? Of course, everyone will have their own answer to this question. But do we have a kingdom mindset, which is that of sacrificial giving, or do we have a mindset not focused on God's kingdom? The uh, the widow, she had a want. Her desire was for God's kingdom. She was believing the Lord would come and do some things through people on earth to further his kingdom agenda. And as Jesus and his disciples observed others, he mentioned the others gave out of their abundance. So in other words, they gave to the church, but they said, you know what? I can give this much. I'll be all right. Ain't no big deal. Do you feel like that when you give? Or when you give, you're like, you know what? You know, sometimes this is kind of stretching. This is stretching it just a bit. But see, for each of us, our level of sacrificial giving is different. Amen? So for me, it could be one thing. For you, it could be something else. So I cannot determine what your level of sacrificial giving is. But the question is, uh, do you ever give to that point that you're really sacrificing on behalf of God's kingdom? You say, well, I need to buy a new house. Do you really need four or five bedrooms? Well, you might if you have 20 kids, amen. I said go out and get it because y'all don't want to be living on top of each other. But if it's just you and your wife, right, uh, you don't need six bedrooms, amen. So if the Lord blesses you with more, what do you think the Lord is thinking when he blesses you with more? Do you think he wants us to go and spend out more on, you know, gold toilet seats? Do you think God wants you to spend half a million dollars on a vehicle that may end up in the junkyard in a few years? Or does he want uh, you to use uh, the resources he has blessed you with to lift others up, uh, to get the word of his uh, kingdom and the gospel message out to the rest of the world? Right. This is what we do here. What do we do? We proclaim the kingdom of God with an anticipation of Christ's soon return. This is our heart. This is where we are focused. Now Jesus, he knows what sacrificial giving is and what it is not because he is omniscient. He knows everything. God himself demonstrated the highest form of sacrificial giving. Uh, When the word of God says, for God so loved the world that he gave. See, he gave. That is a sacrifice. Do we know the heart of people? The answer is no. We, know our, we halfway know our own heart. It's one of the reasons why we can't speak for anyone else. But the Lord certainly knows. So sacrificial giving will look different for you as it does for me. So don't bring judgment on someone else. As a matter of fact, whether you're talking about money or whether you're talking about motives, don't bring judgment on someone else because in order to bring judgment, that means you would have to know for sure. Amen? In order to know for sure, you would have to be omniscient. Amen? In order for you to be omniscient, you would have to be God. Amen? And I know there are no gods up in here. So watch your mouth. Don't judge someone based on what you think, right? If you have facts, that's a different story. But don't conjure up uh, things in your mind trying to say this person is this or that person is that because they don't give. We just don't know. But at the end of the day, we still must be wise and we must save money for a future time. Amen? We still must be wise. Uh, John Wesley said this. Make all the money you can by honest means. Save all you can and give all you can sacrificially. He says that if you make all the money you can, save all you can, but don't give sacrificially, you may be a living person, but you are a dead Christian. What are you today? Are you still stuck on yourself? Face it. In Scripture, there are not many stories that prominently figure, that feature women. But when they do appear, their testimony is so strong. You just, that little story of that widow here in the gospel of uh, of Mark is powerful. Brothers and sisters, it's time. It's time to grow up in the area of finances, in our life, it's time to mature for God's kingdom. When we have it, it's because God has given it to us. And if God has given it to us, what does he want us to do with it? So the next time you are faced with the possibility of eating a $600 meal before tax, I hope they gave them a glass of water at least, amen, amen. Ask yourself this question, what would the Lord do? The next time the Lord allows you to have a raise on your job, ask yourself the question, why has the Lord allowed me to have a raise? Will his church and his kingdom be blessed because of this? Or will I again keep it to myself? God has called us to greater thing. We must reflect the values of God even with our money. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank.